You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Morning. How's it going? Heard Adam was just out here making fun of me. That's awesome. Good to know. Who's got a microphone now, Adam? <laughs> just kidding. Oh, man. Hey, it's good to be with you this morning. Hey, just real quick, before we get going, can, can we just say thank you again to the people that served Serve Day? Yeah? Awesome. Man. Seriously, um, if you served, thank you so much. Just, just a cool way to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so, uh, man, thanks, thanks for being a part of that. Just, just really cool. Lots of good feedback. So um, wanted to uh, really just start this way. Um, I, I was, uh, well, I grew up in Northeast Houston, really. Um, anybody, just, just curious, anybody know where Atascacita is? Ever heard of it? Yeah? Okay, 0 for, 0 for 4. Awesome, good deal. Uh, actually, we had like one person in the last service who knew where it was. It's a suburb, uh, like an hour northeast of Houston, but Houston is like the closest thing that matters, and so uh, we call it Houston, and um, I grew up there, and I'm just kind of a safe neighborhood, just uh, Probably some of the same rules y'all had. Um, when when the, uh, the street lights come on, you come home. Anybody? Yeah? So that's kind of the neighborhood that I grew up in. And uh, just, a, just a pretty safe neighborhood. I did have one rule, though, uh, really. And, and it was, then uh, there was this big bayou uh, in, in, in any other city other than Houston. They just called it a drainage ditch. Um, but, but there was this big bayou right behind our house and uh, had this big concrete slab on it. And, and so it was kind of a, uh, I mean, just big dip down into the ground. And then on the other side, I man, it just rose up really quick. Like there was a huge bump in the middle of it. And so at the age of 10 years old, if I took my bike and I went fast enough, man, I could get whatever the 10-year-old version of gigantic air is. And it was awesome, y'all. And, um, and so, of course, because my mom is not insane, I was not allowed back there. And uh, and so I, if you know anything about me, um, I went back there a lot, right? And, uh, and so I would go back there and, um, and not tell my mom. And, and so one day I'm, I'm back there. Uh, I went alone. Normally I'd go biking with some other friends, but I was alone back there someday. And uh, I'm going down this ramp. And I just, like, I don't remember any of the specific details, right? But here's what I remember. I remember going down and down and down and up and up and up and up and backwards, and um, at some point, I landed, and half of the skin on my body disconnected from my body. And uh, it just, I mean, good grief, y'all. When you're 10 years old, whatever pain you experience is the worst pain you've ever experienced. And, and it was just horrible. It just me, like, yelling on the concrete. And, uh, I mean, I, I had a choice in that moment, right? I had a choice. Here, here was the option. Uh, and both of them are pretty great options. I could either... Um, choose to bleed out on the concrete right there. It's a good, it's a good option. Just as good of an option. I could uh, run home to my mom, <laughs> right? Who had explicitly and repeatedly told me not to go there. And, and so um, really not much of an option. I, I ran home uh, just screaming, snot flying the whole way, right? And uh, I get home and, and here's the thing. My mom did not say to me when I came home, how dare you, <laughs> right? Like, she just took care of me. She just cleaned me up. Now, we got to how dare you, right? 
but, but it started with some grace and some love and some soap and some places, right? And it'd show you the scars if it was appropriate. But, uh, but here's the thing is, is um, you've got uh, pain in your life. Maybe not today, but you will, right? You've got shame um, from something in your life. And, and really, today is all about this. You, you've got to decide what to do with that. Like you've got to make a decision about what to do with that. If you don't make a decision, that's a decision too. It's kind of one of those things, right? And so you've got to decide what to do with that shame and pain. Here's, here's just my hope today. Like cards on the table, just want to be honest with you. My hope is that we would, in our shame, in our pain, that we would run, run home to Jesus. That, that we wouldn't, um, man, hold on to it or, or play games with our pain, but we would just immediately turn to Jesus in it and be able to worship him in that moment despite the pain. That's, that's my hope today. And so can, can we just take a minute, can we pray and ask that God would transform our hearts this morning? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for, um, and just the fact that we can trust you, Lord, that that's not um, a, a hypothetical trust, um, but that, God, we can, on our worst day, um, when things aren't going well, that we can turn to you, God, and, you, and you're waiting to receive us with love and not condemnation. So thank you, God. We, we praise you for that. We just ask that you would um, speak to us this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and flip over to, you guessed it, uh, Luke 23. Uh, we're going to be in Luke 23. We're going to pick up in verse 32. Just as you're turning there, um, just to kind of fill you in on what's going on in the life of Jesus, Jesus um, is actually in this passage, um, and he is on the way to Calvary. He's on the way to the cross. And, and, and really, um, just kind of a dark moment. And, and what's interesting about it is it's kind of this um, inversion, like, like exact opposite of what happened when Jesus was on the way into the city, right? So on the way into the city, um, Jesus is, is honestly treated as a king. The Messiah is coming. We're going to wave some palm branches. Things are going to go well for you. And, and at the end of the day, um, man, it's this celebration. It feels like in that moment that all of God's promises have finally come true. Right? It feels like just this moment of victory. Jesus is coming on the scene. Man, things are about to go really good. <laughs> but... On the way out, how is Jesus treated? Just the opposite, right? So there's literally a crowd not cheering him, but lamenting his death, right? There, some, some people are jeering, some people are mocking, some people are crying. Um, and, and then on top of all that, um, you have this guy, Simon, who kind of takes up Jesus' cross for, for just a minute, and then Jesus takes it back up. And um, it's just a horrible kind of thing. It's, it's almost like a death march, and, and as long as we're talking about where it connects to the rest of the Bible, I just thought this was so interesting. Now, one of the last places that we see Jesus before this moment is, is he is leaving the Garden of Gethsemane and he's leaving from the garden to essentially go to his death after betrayal, right? And here's, here's what's interesting about that. I mean, it really connects with the story of Adam and Eve, right? Because Adam and Eve, here's, here's what's so cool about this. Adam and Eve were also pulled out of a garden, right? Because of their own choices. But at the end of the day, what did they receive? Mercy. What has Jesus received when he leaves the garden? Death. And so it's almost a, a full circle tie-in. This is what Adam and Eve rightfully deserved for disobeying God, right? But they're not the ones who receive it. Who is? 
Jesus. And so just a beautiful picture of the gospel. But, but here's the thing. Um, we're going to pick up in verse 32. It, it is a, a pain-filled moment, but it's also a beautiful one for our faith. And so verse 32 says this. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, such an intense name, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Just so you know, um, Jesus has all along the road um, been, been talking about this moment. And, and even like after like good things happen, Jesus will kind of turn to his disciples, his, his boys, and be like, guys, I know that was awesome, but, but I'm going to die. Like, and it's not going to be pretty, and they're going to put me with a bunch of criminals, and they're going to think I'm a criminal. And, and of course, like all the disciples are like, Jesus, come on. That's ridiculous. And, and here's the thing, you guys. This is that moment that we're seeing right now, that, that Jesus has been counted among the criminals in such a way that he's crucified among them. And, and, and here's the thing. If I'm Jesus, I'm just going to be honest with you. First off, praise God that I'm not, right? But, but if I am, here's how I'm handling the situation. If I'm son of God, like 10,000 angels to command any moment, man, like I'm going scorched earth, Old Testament on this thing. Nobody's putting me on a cross, right? But, but Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't do that because he's not like us. Here, here's, here's probably the most important sentence in today's message. Here, here it is. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Here's the thing. He's communicating two things. He's communicating forgiveness for his enemies, and he's communicating an unshakable faith in the light of pain and shame and darkness. Forgiveness for his enemies. He is looking into the, I mean, He's literally about to die. People have strung him up on a cross, pulled out his beard. I mean, like, this has not gone well for him. And he looks at those men who have done that to him and says, forgive them, Father. If we were able to muster half of that forgiveness in the light of pain, like, y'all, I'm just not a good person to be around when I'm in pain. I don't know about you. Um, If I stub my toe, I'm flailing, y'all. Things have gone badly. If it's early in the morning, even, like I'm, I'm, you may not want to be near me. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Jesus isn't like us. He, he forgives instinctively. And, and here's, here's what we also see in this, that he has in this moment, while he's on the cross, in his hour of darkness, he has faith in God. He's not um, complaining. He's not um, angry, striking out at people. Some of y'all strike out at people when you're angry. I know I do. Maybe it's just me. If it's not you, that's awesome. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he says, Father. He's reaching out to God the Father. And so he has this unshakable faith. And here's, here's just what I want you to see. This is the model for faithfulness in the midst of pain. And it says, this is it. Are, are you being persecuted and angry right now? Man, Walk through it like Jesus. I don't know that's hard, but like this is the model. This is the one guy we've got who did it right. And so, man, we follow Jesus. 
we need to live this way. Here's what happens. They cast lots to divide his garments. Verse 35, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him saying, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you were the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, kind of like a sign hanging above him. This is the king of the Jews. Just something to point out real quick. There is so much irony going on here. Because as they're, like, they're, they're doing these things to make fun of Jesus, right? To poke fun. And so they're like, oh, look, it's the king of the Jews. Only he actually is. <laughs> like, like, this is actually Jesus, the king of the Jews, who happens to also be king of all creation, right? Like, he kind of made the wood that they're hanging him on. And so there's, there's a lot of irony going on here. And, and so here's, here's what happens. We get to see just two very personal reflections on what's going on. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Just want to point out real quick before we move on, the language of railed at him reveals the actual intention of the language. This is not God save me, okay? This is I'm lashing out in anger um, and, and just like the soldiers are mocking, he's now stepping in and mocking as well. But the second guy, but the other, rebuked him in verse 40. Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? When he says same sentence of condemnation, um, that's not um, a statement about um, we're under the Roman authorities being crucified right now. Um, that's actually, although that's probably a part of it, he's also saying what the Bible says, um, which in Deuteronomy 21, 23 says this, that a hanged man is accursed or cursed, depending on which version you're reading, of God. That anyone who has been hung, like capital punishment, that's actually God assigning that death in that day. Like that would have been their theology. And so he is um, pointing out that, that not only should we fear the state, that we should fear the Lord, um, and that the Lord has us here, so why don't you just be quiet for a little bit while God takes care of this thing? That's what the other thief is saying. And, and, and here's, just before we move on, I, w- I want you to get this. Um, you're not Jesus in this story. <laughs> you're the thief. You're, you're the guy, because here's, here's the beautiful response, and, and this is, y'all, if you get this, you get the gospel. And we indeed, this is the second thief, justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man, meaning Jesus, has done nothing wrong. This is the picture of the gospel, that Christ takes up the cross that we deserve. That Christ, uh, where, where we are sinful and wicked, he was not, but he was the one punished for our sinfulness and wickedness. That he takes up the punishment that we deserve. And so um, as we look at the story, here's, here's the really beautiful thing is, is Jesus um, responds in a really cool way. Um, the second thief says, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. As he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Um, I, I just want you to know, if you don't hear anything in the rest of the sermon and you're new around here, um, that same offer of today being with Christ in paradise is available to you. That you can, like, like here's what you gotta get about this story. This was not um, the second thief going, I have all of the answers and now I'll step forward in faith. Like, this was not a 15-hour seminar. You get that, right? Like, Jesus wasn't just sitting there like, hey, man, hold on. 
can, can you reach my Bible? <laughs> That's not happening. Um, he didn't have the time to walk through all the guy's questions about six-day creation or why mosquitoes exist or whatever, right? Like, that's not what's happening here. He knew just enough to know, man, that Jesus is who he says he is. And in response to that, he takes a step of faith and he says, man, what do we do with this? And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. You have that offer on the table. And I say that to say this, that when you experience the cross of Christ, when you look at all that he did, here's what the cross is. It's a fork in the road. You can't keep going the same direction you've been going. You have to choose which direction to move if you understand the cross of Christ. You are given the option. And like, like here's, here's what I want you to see. It, it's gonna make you, if you understand what the cross is about, it, it leads you to make some decisions about who you are, about what you value, and, and, and honestly, about how you're gonna treat the people around you. If you get the cross, it is not a place where you get to continue living the way you've lived. You have to choose what you believe about it. And so just a couple things that I see in this that you've also got to decide. Um, you've got to decide what to do with your pain and shame. If you're filling in, man, that's the first filling, but you've got to decide what to do with your pain and shame. A couple different reactions to pain in this passage, right? So, so verse 39 says, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other, very different reaction, uh, said, uh, rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then, and then Jesus' response is so far from either of these guys, right? Father, forgive them for, for they know not what they do. Um, and, and here's, Here's kind of the thing about this passage. This would have been the most painful moment of these guys' lives, including Jesus, right? This was not um, like our culture in, in that this would have been a shame and honor culture. Um, now, I know we got like a, a 2% of that because we're sort of in the South, but like they were actually like such a shame and honor culture that, that to be hung as a criminal um, would have been as low as you could possibly sink. That, that um, in this moment, here, here's, here's the best way I know how to say that. Your family's not coming to visit you. Now, now Jesus' family did, right? They, like Mary comes to the cross, but kind of different because Jesus didn't deserve to be on the cross. But, but the other two guys, uh, man, they, they deserved it and nobody's coming for them. Like they have dishonored everyone they've ever known in this moment by being publicly executed. And so in the midst of their pain, we see how they react we see really what's already in them come to light. And so, so here's the thing. There are lots of ways to handle your pain. Man, lots of people try lots of different things to handle pain and shame, right? Here's, here's a couple that I think um, matter that I see us do, and, and me included in this. The, the first is that we just try to hold on to it. We just try to hold on to our pain, y'all. And, and here's what I mean. Um, anybody, well, let me think of, I'll ask this a different way. Y'all know what hoarders are, right? <laughs> yeah? So a hoarder is somebody who, man, they, they hold on to everything, like everything that possibly comes through their life. That Taco Bell cup you threw away yesterday, man, that's not just a Taco Bell cup. That is a collector's edition. And someday it's going to be worth a lot of money. Don't you want to save that for your grandchildren? That's a hoarder, right? Like if somebody says that to you, you're like, oh, no, nah, bro, you, you got it. <laughs> You can hold on to it. And so here's the thing. Um, it's, it's one thing to do that with stuff. It's another thing to do that with pain. 
Like it's a totally different thing to do that with your shame, to just go, man, I'm just gonna keep collecting this and hope it gets better. Because here's, here's the reality. I don't know if you are a hoarder, no a hoarder, whatever, um, but here's the reality. As someone who has had to go in and help clean people's houses out, um, someone eventually has to deal with the junk. <laughs> and here's, here's the way that this usually plays out. When that person passes away, it's their kids that have to come clean out the house. And, and listen to me, y'all. If you're just holding on to pain and hoping it goes somewhere, somebody eventually has to deal with that. And I'm gonna be honest with you. It's, it's probably your kiddos. It's probably the people that you love the most. It's probably the people at your workplace, the people that you like. Man, they're dealing with it, you guys. You're not choosing to, but everyone around you is. And listen, when you hold on to that junk, man, it'll eat you alive. It'll eat you alive. We're not meant to hold on to our pain. We're not meant to hold on to our shame. We're meant to give it over to Jesus. And y'all, I know it doesn't happen overnight, and I just wanna be real with you about that. You're not going to immediately, like today, if you're like, man, God, just take this away from me. It's gonna feel awesome. Tomorrow's gonna be hard. But you're gonna start a healing process. If you don't ever start, you never get to see the other side. But when you hold on to pain, man, it's not messing you up maybe, but it's messing up everybody around you. The other thing we do with pain, um, we run from it, y'all. Maybe you don't. (laughs) I am, this may mean nothing to you. If it doesn't mean anything, don't worry about it. On the Enneagram scale, I'm a seven, um, which means that I literally just run from pain and try to create as much excitement and adventure to ignore it as I possibly can. Anybody? Just me. Okay. It's great. Awesome. I'm going to run. Bye. Uh, And and here's here's the thing, y'all. Here's the thing. Um, that's, that's true the rest of my life too, right? That when I was 10 years old, um, my parents sat me down in the living room, um, and they just kind of gathered our little family together. And my dad looked at me, and he said, son, um, your mother and I don't love each other anymore, and, and we're going to be getting a divorce. And, and I didn't argue. I didn't get mad. I, I just started weeping and I ran, and I ran out of the house, and I ran down the street, and I ran as far as my little 10-year-old legs would carry me, and, and I, I, man, I just hid behind an air conditioning unit, just like laid there. I didn't know what to do with it. What do you do with that, right? And I ran, and here's the thing. If you run from your pain, you never get to see the other side of it. If you think just ignoring something, man, like, but just run from it, take off, it's going to catch up to you. It always does, right? And so I, I just encourage you, don't run from it either. That's not a healthy way to do it. Here's the other thing we do with pain. In our anger, we strike out at somebody. We get angry, and, and instead of going, man, I'm hurting and recognizing that, we, we take it out on people, usually the ones who love us the most, right? Is that just me? <laughs> So anybody ever come home from work exhausted and take that out on everybody around you? Yeah, okay. We gotta deal with it, y'all. We gotta deal with our pain. And the simple message of the gospel is this, that Christ wants to take your pain and your shame. You just gotta give it to him. And it doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't, man, like you don't uh, turn a thread into a coat of many colors in one hour, right? But but here's the thing is, is God wants to take your pain and your shame and turn it into something awesome. And I don't know what he's turning it into. I can tell you he's turning it into love. I can tell you he's turning it into ministry. 
past that, I don't know. But he wants to take it, and you don't need to bear it anymore. Get rid of it, y'all. You don't have to hang on to it. Here's the other thing you've got to decide. You've got to decide what a win looks like in your life. You've got to decide what a win looks like in your life. Um, Jesus' win is this, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. It did not look like a win when Jesus was saying that, y'all. Like, it didn't. (laughs) But Jesus had a plan, and he knew what the end goal was, and so he went for it with everything in him, and because of that, man, people are able to dwell with him in eternity. I had five majors in my college career, five of them, and I don't mean like I took a semester here, and I took a semester there, and I took a semester. Like, no, y'all, I've got like half a degree in like six different things. It's nuts, you guys. And, and y'all, I'm going to be paying student loans till I'm dead, <laughs> just being honest with you. And here's why. Because I didn't know what a win looked like. I didn't know, man, what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know where I was headed. And you guys, if you don't have somewhere you're going, then you're just going to settle for this kind of selfish American dream picture that is not a reality, by the way, just in case you were wondering. And here's what's going to happen. You'll get wherever you're going, and it won't be where you want to be. (laughs) You'll end up somewhere, but it won't be with Jesus. And so a question that you might ask if you're thinking about, man, what does my win look like is this. Um, As you picture that beautiful moment that may or may not exist, who is affected by the way that you loved him on the way there? Who is moved and changed and shaped by whatever your beautiful moment looks like? Because if it's just you, that's kind of lame, y'all. I'm just going to be honest with you. Jesus wasn't selfish like that. When Jesus went down swinging, man, he went down not in a good way for him, but in a great way for us, in a great way for everybody around him. And so um, if I'm Jesus, man, I'm, I'm not going out this way, but Jesus isn't like us. Jesus isn't like us. His his win is this. Therefore, in Hebrews, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Here it is. Here's the reason Christ took up the cross. This matters. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Why did Christ take up the cross? For joy. It didn't look like a joyful moment. It it didn't. I mean, at all. I mean, blood everywhere. just didn't look like a joyful moment. But at the end of the day, the joy set before him is that you and I might be in relationship with him, that we might know him forever. That's what was set before Jesus, y'all, that we might have a relationship with him. And so when we look at Jesus' life, here's what I see. He just wasn't selfish like us. And a question to consider, this is another note if you're taking notes, how is the way you're living working out for those around you? How's the way you're living working out for those around you? Me and my wife, Lindy, um, we have an apartment, and and honestly, y'all, I love it. Like, it's awesome. It's downtown, and and man, it's... um, it's, it's awesome. We just, we've lived there for two years. It's wonderful. Um, but it's on the fourth floor, which is a lot of steps to get there, right? Y'all should see my calves right now. I'm just telling you. And, and he, don't really. That's weird. Uh, just for the record. It's a joke. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Um, works out really well for us. 
Works out really well for me and my wife. Um, but we have an Australian shepherd named MJ. She's awesome. She cannot make it down four floors before going to the restroom, y'all. It ain't working out for her. <laughs> it's just not. And so I've either got to train her a lot or we're going to make some choices. We're going to make some changes. And so let me just ask you this. What is the one thing you're doing that's not working out for those around you? Don't pick, don't pick 12. That's January. You won't, you won't succeed at your resolutions. Sorry. Pick one thing. What is one thing you're doing that is not working out for those around you? It may be working out for you, but if it's not working out for those around you, that is just not the selflessness that we see in Jesus. And listen, it could be your job. You can get another job. It could be your anger. There's a better way to live. Walk in peace. It could be um, that, that you don't know how to just reset when you get home from work and see so you come in grumpy and frustrated and over-caffeinated. And man, just what's the one thing that you could change that would just radically impact the people around you? We should seek that. Just figure it out, you guys. And, and as you do, um, here's the thing. Um, the way of Jesus on the cross is this. Self-centeredness leads to stress, and it leads to bitterness. That's the first guy on the cross, right? He's lashing out out of anger. But the second guy, self-sacrifice. It leads to joy. That's what Jesus saw. He set out to, to enter into joy, and that was us, and he got us in his self-sacrifice. Jesus didn't have his life taken from him. You get that, right? Jesus gave his life. There's a difference there. He walked to Jerusalem knowing what was going to happen. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He was after joy. And so, so here's the thing. The only way we get to that level of selflessness, the only way, is if we make another decision. And here it is. It's super simple. You've got to decide what you believe about Jesus. You've got to decide what you believe about Jesus. And, and, and listen, the cross is, is just this fork in the road where you have to make a decision. Do I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he died for my sins, that he wants me to have forever with him, or do I not believe him? You gotta make that choice because here's the reality. Jesus, like knowing Jesus, it can't just change the fact that you now listen to like Christian music on the radio or something, right? Like that can't be the only thing that changes. Jesus wants to change everything. Jesus, like we think Jesus came in and like he's doing a little remodel on our house and he's gonna like clean up one of the bathrooms. Jesus wants to level the house, you guys, and rebuild it with him as the foundation. That's the difference. If you decide to follow Jesus, he's gonna slowly tear down every part of your life and rebuild it to look like him. He is. And so here's the thing. You've gotta decide what you believe about Jesus because only one of the thieves can be right. Only one of them. The first one, man, it may have felt good to throw that last little verbal dagger at Jesus, like in that moment of pain. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all, you do, because you've been there. You've been in pain, and you've said something to somebody, and I'm like, man, that felt awesome. You know what felt better? Waking up in paradise with Jesus that day. That's a lot better. And so you got to decide what you believe about Jesus. There are um, two kinds of bosses in the world. Two kinds of bosses. The first kind of boss is the guy who will tell you what to do. The second kind of boss is the guy who gets in it with you. And here's the really cool thing about Jesus. He does both. 
all the way to the cross. He's going, guys, this is how this ends. This is how this goes. But then he actually gets on the cross and shows us. He's willing to get into just the mire and the muck and the blood beside us and show us what a self-sacrificial life looks like. He didn't just call us to it. He didn't just go, hey, do this thing. He goes, watch me and do this. Here's the thing. I just want to leave you with this. Um, you've got to make a decision about what you believe about Jesus. Um, I, I can't make it for you. You've got to be the one to take that step of faith and say, I'm trusting you. You may not have all the answers, but you can trust God. And, and here's, here's just, just what I want to leave you with today. Um, when my parents came to me and, and said, hey, we're getting a divorce, and I, I went and hid behind this air conditioning unit, here's, here's what happened next. Um, my dad, I, I don't know how he found me. I think he'd been driving the block for like an hour. And I think he probably just like saw my little leg <laughs> hanging out from behind the air conditioning unit. And, and here's, here's what happened. He, he came and got me. Like he came and picked me up. And, and, and here's what happened. He carried me to his car. Me just like snotty, messy, 10-year-old boy tears. Carried me to his car. And, and then he went home with me. And y'all, here's what he didn't do. He didn't look at me and say, how could you? How could you walk away? How could you? Did you not realize we were having a conversation? Are you kidding me? No. He didn't do that. He just sat with me. Listen, y'all, there, there were not a lot of like helpful words or wisdom that he could have said that day. Just not. He, he just sat with me in it. All I really remember after that moment is, is that we were on the back porch for like four hours and just sitting there, like just talking. He just sat with me in the pain. He was with me in it. We didn't know what to do. I, st I still don't know what to do some days. But he was with me in it. And here's what you need to understand about the cross. It's not just this pretty picture that we talk about or a necklace. It's this beautiful picture of a rescue mission that God was not willing to let you just sit behind the air conditioner, right? That he wasn't just gonna leave you in your pain and in your shame. He wasn't just gonna leave you there on your own, but that he would come himself and carry you back to a place of safety and comfort. That's what the cross is about. And so you've gotta make a decision, man, today. Like, what do I believe about that? Because to not make a decision, that's a decision. Like, you get that, right? That's a decision. And, and the cross is this place where we look and we see the faithfulness of God, that God promises to be with us forever. His words, not mine. I will be with you until the end of the age. He's our hope, he's our anchor, and he's with us forever. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you. Man that you give us a place to hand our pain and our shame to, that you call us out of that, that you carry us out of that, God, towards healing and towards hope. And, and today, God, I just ask that for everyone in here making that decision today that is going, I have not made this decision or I need to just get back on the train God, that you would right now just tell them exactly what you want them to hear, that they are enough, loved, perfect in your eyes, not because of who they are, but because of what you've done. And God, that you want to bring them into healing and hope. There's no pain, no shame that you're not bigger than. And so God, we just ask for your help this morning. 
Remind us of your goodness. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You are listening to audio from the Creek Church. If you would like more information about the Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at